0: Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Kortz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. Well, good morning. Today I wanna talk with you about suffering and about living strong in suffering times, in difficult times. I was reading the other day an article from The Economist magazine. It was talking about the impact of COVID on mental health globally and had some examples from the United States. It pointed to a survey that the uh, Center for Disease Control had done back in August, and they surveyed a group of Americans and found that one in 10, watch this, one in 10 had actually considered suicide during this season. And in that group, in the age group of, of those 18 to 24, some one in four, had seriously contemplated taking their own lives. And we understand this because uh, we're in this elongated, seemingly never-ending season of alienation and isolation. Nothing is as it used to be. And so uh, I guess we're not surprised to find that calls to suicide hotlines are up and that kind of thing. I heard uh, the story from a, a local... A psychologist who she is so overwhelmed by the number of people reaching out to her for help that she finds herself uh, kind of drowning in the despair trying to help others who are in despair. What's happening? What? What is this? What is this condition that it literally threatens all of us. What is it? It is what uh, the Bible calls and what you and I still today call a loss of heart. People are losing heart. They're, they're losing the reason to go on, feeling tired and saying things like, I'm not sure I can go any farther. I'm not sure I can do any more. When will this end? they're feeling uh, discouraged they're teetering on the brink of hopelessness now what is so powerful about our passage for this morning is that paul understands this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 to 18 he gives us an extraordinary gift because he gives us a picture of how he learned in suffering times, in times of affliction, of how he learned to not only endure, but watch this, to actually get stronger in times of suffering, in those times when hardship tries to make you and I weaker. And I want us to look at that today. I want us to see together How it is in a time like this, if we're believers, we can actually grow stronger and ward off the uh, power of uh, hardship and pain to make us weaker in Christ. So we're asking the question today, how can we get stronger, just a practical question, how can we get stronger when suffering works to make us weaker? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. Now, what's interesting about this passage is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, represents the second time that Paul has said, I will not lose hope. We don't lose hope. I refuse to give up. I refuse to give in. I'm not going to lose hope. I will not lose hope. It's the second time he said that after in chapter 1, he admitted that there was a time in his past where he felt very discouraged. He felt uh, as if he were losing heart. But he's learned something from that season till the time he's writing this letter. And it is what he has learned that you and I want to learn and need to learn today. Let's take a look at our passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17, and 18, three verses. So Paul says, "'We do not lose heart. "'Though our outer nature is wasting away, "'our inner nature is being renewed day by day.'" For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, Paul says, are eternal. Now, First, to understand just how it is that Paul grows stronger in hard times, it's good for us to just pause for a moment and remember how hard and how painful his life actually was. Um, This is that Paul. This is the same guy who wrote verses 6, 7, and 8, who said that his life included incredible affliction and confusion and persecution and being knocked down he says, at every turn. This is the same Paul who will write in chapter 11 and describe in detail how this affliction and confusion and persecution and being knocked down actually came to him. And he, he tells us in chapter 11 that already in his life, he's been beaten five times with 40 lashes minus one. That is brought right to the edge of death five times. There were many people who died having received Fewer lashes than that. Paul had been through that five times. He was beaten with rods three times, stoned, shipwrecked three times, lost at sea. He he knew what it was to travel and to be in constant danger. He knew what it was to, to have work and work and work and fear mixed with it and not being able to sleep. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty. He knew what it was to be exposed to the cold. And yet he says, I know what it is to be in that situation and actually be growing stronger. Second, to to understand how Paul does this in hard times, it's important for us to see that Paul doesn't see his hardship in the past and his hurt in the past as having gone away. As he writes, he's expecting more of what he's told us he's already experienced. And sure enough, he does experience more of this. Suffering is something that he tells us in this very chapter in verse 11 is is, uh, an experience that he's being given over to all the time. You know, as I was thinking about this, it occurred to me that the measure of any person is not what it takes to knock that person down, but that the real measure of any person is what it takes to keep them from getting up. It's not what knocks us down, because we all get knocked down. It's what keeps us from getting up. And Paul says, I have learned, I've come to a place Where I can be knocked down and I'm able to get back up. Finally, to understand how it is that Paul grows stronger in hard times, we need to hear his explanation of why he doesn't lose heart. And you find it in verse 16. Look with me there. He says, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day by day by day. This is curious because he's saying he has experienced this over and over again. And what Paul does here is he concedes something that a lot of us have a hard time conceding, and that is he concedes that his body is falling apart. He concedes that his body is deteriorating. And sure enough, experts tell us that it starts about your mid-20s when your body starts falling apart. Up until then, it's growing and it's, it's expanding, but there's a point in your mid-20s where you start falling apart. Paul says, I'm gonna to concede to you that the outer me is wasting away. Part of it is because of all of the beatings and all of the persecution and all of the deprivation that he's been through because of Christ. And part of it is simply because he lives like you and me with a body that is still marred by the consequences of sin. And he says, so now look, I concede that my outer body is wasting away. It's wearing out, it's being spoiled, both because of age and because of persecution and stress. But at the same time, I've I've watched God faithfully, he's saying here, do something for me on the inside. While my body's wasting away on the outside, he's doing something and he keeps doing something for me on the inside. My inner nature or my soul, Paul says, is being renewed, is being refreshed day by day by day by day. So while my body is growing weaker, watch this, on the outside, my soul is getting stronger on the inside. Others may just see in me physical decline. They may be saying, Paul isn't what he used to be. But I know on the inside, I'm stronger than I've ever been before. I have a growing strength that is setting itself up and compounding in my soul all the time. Why? Why? Well, because of the ongoing faithfulness of God to him in the midst of it all. God is proving himself to Paul to be the God who finishes what he starts. Now, I want you to see this. God not only gives to us the faith to believe and receive Christ and enter into new life, but God is also the God who continues to give us faith for living that new life, and to do it faithfully in all situations. And that's, this means that for every hardship, and with every hardship that Paul has ever faced, God has constantly offered to him strength to make it through. And when Paul has taken the strength that God offers, the strength that God gives makes his soul stronger. It is in the hard time that our souls can have their greatest advances. That is why when, when this whole season began, I challenged you to lean into the Lord and not to lean away from Him. I challenged you to take whatever extra time suddenly you had and invest a good portion of that in your relationship with Him because it is always in the hard times that our souls can make their best spiritual and their greatest spiritual advantage, advances. Our bodies, yes, are declining. Our bodies, yes, are growing weaker. But by God's grace, our souls can always be growing and always be growing stronger. Now, we need to see something here, though we need to see something more than just this secret of why paul is able to endure and why he is able to get stronger we need to see how he taps into this strength how he lives going from strength to strength in spite of having hardship after hardship and suffering upon suffering uh, this is going to help us understand how you and I can get stronger when suffering works to make us weaker. And what Paul does here is, is fascinating to me. He actually shows us three gifts that God has given him to strengthen his faith, and he, he shows us or he reveals three choices that he has consistently made uh, in response to God's gifts— God gives us, Paul shows us here, something to believe about suffering, something to focus on in suffering, and something to remember about suffering. And I suppose I could say it this way, something new to believe about suffering, something new to focus on in suffering, and something new to remember about suffering. But the point here is that the right belief and the right focus and the right remembrance are gifts from God that every believer can take and use to overcome discouragement and despair and to stay strong in the most difficult of times and seasons. And when we are able to believe and focus and remember, Uh, to receive those gifts that God gives to us as believers, it is then that we will be able to say increasingly so, I don't lose heart. I don't lose heart. Now, I'm going to pause and say something to you right here because I, I, I need for you to hear me. Some of you need to hear this more than others. I don't want you to think for a minute that the Apostle Paul somehow uh, just uh, flipped a switch, and he suddenly went from being a person who uh, was uh, losing heart to being a a person who couldn't. This was a process that God developed in him, and and I want you to see this as we go into this passage a little further, that God had these gifts for Paul just like he has these gifts for you. But Paul had to learn, just like you have to learn and I have to learn, Paul had to learn how to take and receive the gift of of this belief about suffering, the gift of this focus in suffering, the gift of this remembering in suffering. He had to learn to take those, to receive those, and then to use those. And as he did, he became stronger and stronger. It wasn't that he went from being weak to strong just like that. No, he grew into it, and that's what you and I must do. So please remember that as we make our way through. But look with me. The first gift that God gives and believers can receive to overcome discouragement and stay strong in the difficult times is is a certain belief about suffering. We see that reflected in verse 17. Paul says, for this slight momentary affliction, if you want to know how it is that I'm, I'm learning to go from being strong to being stronger, This slight momentary affliction is, I, I know this, I believe this, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God has given to Paul, and God has given to all believers something to believe when it comes to suffering. And You'll notice that Paul first describes what he believes about his suffering, and then what his suffering in the hands of God actually does for him. He believes, first of all, that his suffering, though Awful, awful is actually, in his own words, slight and momentary or small and passing. Now, immediately we want to go, how, how can he do this? Is, he, is this just uh, some kind of religious spin? No, no. It really is for Paul all a matter of comparison. I mean, being beaten nearly to death five times was not easy. And, and in comparison to other experiences on this earth, it, it was not nothing, it was huge, it was something, or Paul wouldn't have mentioned it. But it is for Paul a matter of comparison. Why? Because God has promised through his son that those who come to faith in him will not only, watch this now, suffer for and with Christ now, but will share in his inheritance later. Suffering now, the the New Testament teaches us, following the example of Jesus, suffering now brings glory later. And so this is the second reason for Paul's ability to live, not giving up. Uh, The reason that Paul can understate what has happened to him is because he's believing that what God has said in Christ will come to him. Glory. Affliction, Paul says, is preparing for us an eternal weight, a tonnage, a mass of glory beyond all comparison. Paul believes that it's been granted to him not only to suffer for Jesus and with Jesus, but he absolutely believes that it's been granted to him to share in the glory of Jesus. And and how does that glory come? Well, with the coming resurrection of his old body to become new like Christ through suffering and and, uh, walking with Jesus, Uh, though that is part of his relationship, part of his life. He believes with all of his heart glory is also a part of it. They are two sides of the same salvation coin. But here's the difference. Paul says suffering, no matter how bad, can't begin to compare with the glory God has for us in Christ. He writes to the Romans in Romans 8. He says, we suffer with Christ so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God, you see, loved ones, uses sorrow and suffering for Christ and sorrow and suffering with Christ to increase our experience of glory later. For those who are faithful in suffering now will find that they are uh, rewarded for that faithfulness later. They will have an even greater experience of glory in Christ and with Christ because of the way they have passed through their suffering. God uses suffering to ready us for the glory that is ours in Christ. God in His wisdom uses sorrow and suffering. To build us up and make us more like Christ now and to bless us with fullness like Christ later so that we not only, as Paul says so memorably elsewhere, so that we not only are able to see Him, but that we become like Him in the resurrection. Now, let me pause and say this to you. It's important to note that only certain kinds of suffering produce this weight of glory, Uh, the suffering that comes for the sake of Christ uh, is going to yield a greater glory. The suffering that comes from a faithful, uh, a loyal, or a committed testimony about Jesus in a hostile world is going to experience an even greater glory in Christ after Christ returns. But at the same time, there is a suffering that comes simply Uh, with Christ in a broken world, a suffering that honors him that also will bring greater glory. When we patiently endure life's trials and tragedies, if we endure them with humility and, and with a dependent attitude of faith, that too adds to the eternal weight of glory that you and I will experience. So when we, bottom line is when we live faithfully. When when we live remembering that suffering is is a a gift from God that he uses not only to build us up now, but also to bless us later. When we understand that, it, it makes all the difference. Now, suffering for the consequences of sin, that won't do it. But when we suffer faithfully, whether it be for our witness and our testimony or whether it be for uh, uh, if we suffer with faithfulness through the the tough seasons of life, that will add to the eternal weight of glory we'll experience. And all of this is good news. It's also very humbling news. Suffering is one of the ways God reminds us that this is not our home that uh, these bodies that we're living in, uh, fragile as they are, will not always be as they are. He reminds us that our future lay, not with the, the dynamics of what, what is going on around us. You know, our, our future doesn't lay in who is elected president, who is an elected president. Our future it doesn't uh, uh, lay in, in the direction of our nation. But our future lay with Christ and the promise of a new body, of a new creation that he has for us. This life with all of its troubles, this preparation for our true destiny. And, and that destiny is an eternal glory that far outweighs anything that we suffer. There's a second gift, and I want you to see it, that God gives and that believers can receive to overcome despair and stay strong in difficult times. And that is a uh, a gift of a focus in suffering. And we see that at the beginning of verse 18. Paul says, as we look to the things that are seen, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. God has given Paul and God has given all believers something to focus on in the midst of their suffering. He's given them something to believe that suffering can build them up, make them stronger, and can lead to blessing later. But he's also given them a focus in the midst of it to help them make their way through it. Paul draws a contrast here between what he sees now and what he used to see and what he used to focus on. As God works through Christ to use Paul's afflictions to bring that soul strength and to bring that eternal weight of glory for Paul, it's important to see that Paul's acknowledging I also have this part to play. I have to receive what God shows me about suffering, but I also have to receive this focus in suffering. I've got to receive God's new view. In the midst of my suffering. I've got to live, in other words, looking in the right place when my hardships come. Now, the word look here in the original language carries the idea of, of, of looking out for, of paying careful attention to, of focusing one's attention on or, or keeping one's eye on. It is a fixed gaze, not, not a casual kind of glance. It is a, a fixed focus. God has given Paul, and and I want you to see Paul has learned to use what we could call the, the spiritual equivalent of target fixation. Have you ever heard of target fixation? Target fixation is a human phenomenon in which an individual becomes so focused on an observed object that they actually increase their risk of colliding with it. Fighter pilots have had to learn this the hard way. Race car drivers, motorcyclists especially, can fixate so intently on a target, whether it's a threat or whatever, an accident ahead of them, uh, that they ultimately steer into it rather than steering away from it, causing a collision. I understand that a common phrase used to teach beginning race drivers is never look at the wall. Never look at the wall. Why? Because if you look at the wall going 100 miles an hour, you will more than likely hit it. Whatever you focus on with your eyes, that's where your hands steer and where the car will go. And so this is especially vital because what we fix on, fix our minds on is ultimately, the lesson is uh, here, is what we fix our lives on. The direction determines the direction our lives take. So they will tell, for example, drivers, your hands follow your eyes. Be careful. Motorcyclists, your hands follow your eyes. You will turn, you will steer wherever your eyes are looking. If you look at it, You'll hit it. Now, that's, that's a strategy that keeps you from danger, but it can also be a strategy that leads you to good. And that is exactly what God gives us in this gift of a new view. He gives us the uh, permission, if you will, for target fixation and says, if you will fix on the right thing, you will collide with it, and you will be blessed by it. We can say, indeed, that uh, in the economy of God, spiritual target fixation has these same results, but can uh, result in some very positive consequences. Why? Because our lives follow our eyes. Our lives follow our eyes. And what our mind's eye is fixed on, our lives will follow. What Paul says he's fixed on is a view of, of what he describes as the things that are not seen. And what this means is that he's first learned to look away from or past the things he can see. He's learned in life to look away from or past the things he can see, the things that are good, the things that are bad, the things that bring joy, the things that bring fear, the things that are encouraging, the things that are painful. And he's learned to look instead at what God has promised and ultimately On the Lord Jesus Christ, whom now he can't see, but in whom he has placed his faith. He's learned to set his mind's eye on the coming of Jesus, on the resurrection, on living eternally with him. This is the very same practice that Jesus used, and I want you to see this. Jesus had his own target fixation on the cross, Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 calls on believers to, to practice this target fixation saying, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remember him who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When Christ went to the cross, he was looking beyond the cross to a particular joy that his father had set before him. Do you know what that joy is? That the father set before him? You're looking at him. You're looking at him. And if I could see you right here, right now, and if you're a believer... I could say, I'm looking at that joy. Me, you, us, his people. Jesus practiced spiritual target fixation Hmm. by looking past his cross and his shame to the consequences of it, the glory of it, which included gathering up for himself a people. And so who Paul is and what Paul does and why Paul does it are all linked to this new view of the unseen. Since suffering is in the visible temporary world of ours, we have to look past it to that immeasurable glory in the eternal world, the unseen world. You see, Troubles, Paul learned, can cause him to either fix his eyes on his problems, which only leads to him colliding with them even further, or he could fix his eyes on what is unseen and be free of them. There is a lie that says all we need is what we can see, or that all we can hope for is all there is for us to see. Paul got past that lie, and he said to himself, all I need is right now what I can't see, and all I will hope for is far beyond what I can see. I'm going to take that same view of Jesus. I'm going to look past my troubles. And just as He looked past His cross to see me, I'm going to look past my hardships and my troubles, my suffering, and see Him. Fix your eyes on Christ, Paul tells the Colossians. Fix your mind on things above. And what you will find is that you grow stronger when suffering tries to make you grow weaker. Finally, I want you to see that the last gift that God gives and the believers can receive to overcome despair and stay strong in difficult times is a reminder about suffering. I love this. Paul concludes, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God has given Paul and all believers something to remember when it comes to suffering. And when Paul chooses to see or look at the gift of what is unseen coming from God, he's also choosing to receive the gift of remembering that in God's economy, what is coming from God is what lasts. And what lasts is always best. So the seen, the afflictions and the sufferings, they're passing. The unseen, eternity with God, is permanent. The one doesn't last long. The other lasts or endures forever. And because Paul chooses to see or to look at or to fixate on what is unseen, he is also choosing to see or look at. Fixate on what lasts, what is best, and that also makes all the difference. Yes, even in the body of Christ, these bodies of ours are wasting away. They're falling apart. And yes, even in in this new relationship with Christ, we're going to experience hardship and persecution all at the same time. We're going to face opposition, and we're going to face just those hard seasons of life that have nothing to do. With us and everything to do with living in a broken world. But remembering that what is coming for us, who is coming for us, and what is coming for us, comes from God and lasts, and remembering that what lasts is always best, we find that we're freed from the fear of the years passing. That just As in Christ, we have a a different perspective of God and a different perspective of ourselves and a different perspective of life and a different perspective of death. We also have a different perspective of suffering. And that really and truly, no matter what happens to us now, in Christ, we are already on our way home. If we only look at, at this life as a journey through pain and temporary joy toward degeneration and death, if that's all we look at, then even as believers, we will fail. We will lose heart. We'll inevitably give up. But if you and I every day, regardless of what comes our way, If we make the choice and take the chance to believe that suffering is temporary and small, to focus on the glory of the one who is coming for us and the glory he's going to share with us. If we will make the choice and take the chance to remember that what lasts is always best and far better than anything this world has to offer, then day by day, and I love this picture, we can go to bed stronger than when we woke up. And I think that one of the greatest ambitions we could have for our lives and living, one of the greatest prayers we could pray is, Lord, help me today to go to bed stronger than I woke up. I know when I go to bed tonight, I will be older. I know I will be one step closer to the end of this life here. I understand that, I get that, but oh God, would you by your grace, and for the sake of your glory and the good of other people, would you help me at the end of this day to go to bed stronger in my soul than I woke up this morning? Paul came to that place, and so he's able to say at the Close of this fine letter, 2 Corinthians. He's able to say, for the sake of Christ then, because of Christ, because of his glory and his goodness and his greatness and his mercy toward me, for the sake of Christ then, I'm content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships and persecutions. I'm content even with calamities. For I know, this is what I've learned, that when I am weak, then I am strong. And it is for this reason that Paul is well qualified to help us answer our question. How can we get stronger when suffering works to make us weaker? (laughs) The secret to being strong is to be strong in the Lord to be strong in his gifts of faith and sight and remembrance. Any other strength we try to bring to this life ultimately is going to prove to be a lie. The great reality of our Christian lives is this. Because we are in Christ, because we are one with him, his life has become our life. His power has become our power. His strength has become our strength. And that's how we're able to say, as Paul says in Philippians 4, I know, and I can bear it when I'm brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's what I've learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and his strength and his grace are always sufficient this is what i believe this is what i see this is what i always remember i do not lose heart may that be the cry and the plead and the declaration of your heart. In this season, I don't lose heart. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Keep your eyes fixated on Jesus. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.